Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. Open your Bibles to Mark, the fourth chapter. And uh, again, we do bring our Bibles to In fact, I got a new Bible, and I'm, I'm just starting to break it in. And I, I, I got a new um, Thompson Chain Bible. If you want a good Bible, a good study Bible, the Thompson Chain reference Bible is absolutely excellent. But I got the new King James Version. And Mark, the fourth chapter, if you have not been here the last couple of weeks or, uh, or the guests that are with us today, I really want to encourage you to go on the, on the, uh, on, online and listen to the messages on the parable of the sower because they will inspire you and connect you, with about, connect you with what I'm going to be sharing this morning. Once you understand the parable of the sword regarding the kingdom of God, you'll see that the kingdom of God operates on, uh, on, the, uh, on the truth found in the parable of the sower, and it will really bless your life. Let's begin with verse 1 through 3. Let me go back in my new Bible and uh, go to Mark, the fourth chapter. This is the New, New King James, but, but it's, it's pretty much the same. It's just uh, um, these and thou's were taken out. And, and he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in, the, uh, in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land uh, facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Now we know we defined what a parable is. It's just simply it's, uh, Jesus was using natural stories to... to um, to uh, uh, teach on spiritual truths. Uh, every parable is that way. And in fact, he went on to say, if you don't understand this parable, then you won't understand all the parables that I teach you because every parable has to do with seed, time, and har- harvest. So the parable, this parable will help you understand, listen, why we reap some of the things God never intended us to reap, and at the same time, how we can correct our farming skills and reap a better future. How many would like to reap a better future? And it really is found in this parable. And so in verse 26, we discovered, as I said earlier, the kingdom of God operates on the principles, on, the, uh, on two laws, the law of sowing and reaping and the law of Genesis. The law of Genesis is simply everything produces after its own kind. You know that, in, you know that by uh, farming. Uh, Brother Sievert knows that when he goes into the field and plants corn, he doesn't have to break out in a sweat every night thinking that he's going to get beans. He relaxes, he understands the law of Genesis that, that he sowed corn, he's going to reap. If he sowed wheat, he's going uh, to reap what? Wheat. It, amen. Because everything produces after its own kind. God did that so we wouldn't have to be confused. Now we know, and we'll talk about this as we go on, that there is something called the fruit of the Spirit. So if you want, if you want to reap a harvest of love, then you're going to have to sow the seed of Amen. Very, very easy. God really took, he's so beautiful how that in his brilliance, he came to our, down to our level to teach us spiritual principles by using natural stories so that we get the connection. So these laws, the law of sowing and reaping and the law of Genesis is what God himself used in the very beginning as we know the beginning, in the, uh, the, which we find this in the book of Genesis when he, when, he cre- when he made the heavens and the earth, he used these laws. Now turn to Genesis 1. We'll begin there in Genesis, the first chapter, and um, I'll be using an, the New Living Translation, but uh, again, it's just altered a little bit. Uh, the, the King James Version says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, the, the 
word in the beginning, you know, of course, as, as we can relate to creation as we know it. How many believe that God was long before uh, the creation that we understand, the things that we see? Andy was talking to me the other day and about the, this uh, telescope that they use. Uh, they shot a big scale, uh, um, a telescope out into the, uh, out, out into the heavens, and, and as they were shooting out in the heavens, uh, they tapped into literally thousands or millions of, what were they called? Um, huh? Galaxies. Galaxies. And within all these galaxies are millions of stars. And Brother Copeland said this many years ago. It really, it really impacted my heart. I never forgot it. He said when God, when God spoke his word, when God spoke creation into being, his word has never stopped. It just keeps going out and keep creating. I'm telling you, we live in a big world. And, uh, and you know, I thought about this. Uh, God put within us... Um, something in our DNA called competition. We love to compete. And ultimately, when we're playing the game, we, like, we don't like to lose. Nobody likes to lose. It doesn't feel good losing. We like to win. Everybody say amen. And so I think about what's going to happen when we, get to, when we get on the other side. I believe with all my heart, God's going to have things for us to compete against. I, have no, I don't know if it's going to be creatures on other planets. I'm not sure what it's going to be, but it's going to be exciting. Hallelujah. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, verse 2, this is the New Living Translation. It says, the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. The Living Bible says the earth was a shapeless, chaotic mass. The Message Bible says a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, and inky blackness. But so right from this scripture, these scriptures here, we know this truth. Now, first of all, God never creates anything that defines what is going on here. He's the author of life, not death. He's the author of light and not darkness. The Bible says it in the book of James. James said this, whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God, the creator of all light, and he shines forever without change or shadow. 1 John 1, 5 says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So obviously something catastrophic happened between Genesis 1, 1 and Genesis 1, 3. And historians believe this. They believe that in verse 2, verse 2 was the product or the fruit of, of, of um, uh, God, when God cast Satan out into, uh, when, first of all, when Lucifer rebelled against God to overthrow his throne, uh, the Bible says that God cast him out of heaven and into the earth. So they believe this in verse 2 is the fruit of Satan's twisted nature and, e and evil ways that are now still in the earth today. Amen. This, because it has to be. Something had to happen. And, and we find out in the book of Revelation that God did cast him down to the earth. And the earth, of course, suffered uh, from the presence, the evil presence of the kingdom of darkness. And um, so in the midst of this formless, chaotic, bottomless emptiness and darkness, deity released a spiritual law, and we're going to talk about that, that reversed the curse that was in the earth. You think about it, I'm telling you, there are some beautiful places in this earth. Now, if the earth, if, if what we understand from creation, I believe the earth is millions of years old, it doesn't matter, it's not going to alter my salvation, some people think it's only 6,000 years old, whatever, whatever, but... The fact is, from, six, from the time man came on the scene till now, it's been 6,000 years. And it's amazing. Yes, we see a lot of the curse in the earth, but there's some beautiful things that are in this earth. Can I have an amen? 
So it's amazing how God still gives us the signs of what the future is going to look like on planet Earth. If this planet, whether he makes a new one or according to the scriptures, what I see, he's going to purge this. He's going to purge this earth with fire. Hallelujah. And, start, and, and so, that it, so that there's nothing of the curse evidence on this earth. That'd be cool, huh? And uh, so anyway, um, and of course, because we're earthlings, because we're of the earth earthy, it's very possible that we will be here on earth uh, receiving our assignments from God, from earth, to wherever, whatever he has. Again, doesn't alter my salvation, but I like to dream. I've told you it's through the years. I, I asked the Lord one day, I said, Lord, how come? How come you're giving, how come, how come you're giving us a thousand years of millennium? How come, a, how come you're giving us millennium of a thousand years on this earth in our glorified bodies? And as I was thinking, this thought came to me. I don't know if it was from God or not, but this thought came to me. Is it possible that Adam lived 1,000 years in his perfect state before he rebelled against God? So God is going to reward us back with those thousand years. I'm excited about it. Hallelujah. Amen, because I believe that God will let me ride Harley for at least a few hundred years. <laughs> you go on and imagine what you want to imagine. I'll just, you know. Hallelujah. So, Genesis 1, two, uh, uh, 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. But what's, what's awesome is that God didn't stop there. He continues on with his thought of what he wants us to understand. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, or the surface of the waters. And what was he waiting for? He was waiting for God to speak. He was waiting for God to decree his word. See, in the word of God is revealed God's will. God's will, if you want God's will in your life, then you're gonna have to, dis you're gonna have to uh, discover what it is in God's word. God's word is his will. His will is found in his word. Everybody say amen to that. And God said, and so God said, let there be light. And there was light. Not only was the light, there was a harvest of light. Some people believe in the bang theory. I do. God said it and bang, it happened. Hallelujah. All right. Let's go on. And the prophet Isaiah, he confirmed this when he wrote this. And I, I chose the Message Bible because it's so beautifully laid out of Isaiah 55 verse 10. Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth, watch this, doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seed for farmers and food for the hungry. Everybody say hallelujah. So will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. So we could say it this way. So shall the words of my mouth be seed for the farmers and food for the hungry. So that's why God gave you his word. It's seed for you to sow and return food back into your life. Is that awesome or what? That, that is why God gave us natural seeds. In the book of Genesis, the first chapter, if you read the first, um, you know, the creative side of those verses, you'll see that he gave us every kind of seed-bearing tree and so on and so on because God wanted us to enjoy, praise God, the abundance of what he created for us. But it comes in seed form, so if you're gonna reap uh, reap the blessing of what he promised, you're going to have to be a sower. Amen. So God, uh, just as God spoke his will into existence with his faith and confession, he wants us to know those same laws he provided for us so that we could be imitators of him and reap the promises that he gave us his word. First thing, of course, we can talk about this, and we'll, but just mention Romans, the 10th chapter. The Bible says the word, of, the word is nigh thee, 
even in their heart and their mouth, that is the word of faith. In Romans 10, it says that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you believe in your heart, that, and you have faith in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Hallelujah. Come on. So you can see your faith and your confession brought the seed of God's redemption into your life and brought a harvest into your heart. Is that awesome or what? He made you, he changed you into his image and likeness through your faith and your confession. Mark the fourth chapter, verse 14. The Bible says, the sower soweth the word. So now we know what kind of seed the sower was sowing. It was God's word. Amen. Then last week we discovered that the heart or the spirit of man is the soil to which God's word is to be sown into. Your heart is the soil for God's word. Amen. Say, my heart is the soil for God's word. It really is. The Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3 says, you are God's garden, you're, you're his vineyard, a field under cultivation. Amen. So for you to reap the things of God in your life, then you're going to have to be willing to, uh, to sow his word. Sowing will be required from you. You are the farmer. Amen. So in the parable of the sower, there were four different environments in which the seed was sown. We'll read some, we'll read, continue to read one. We've covered two of them uh, last uh, two weeks. There is the, the hard ground, there's the stony ground, there's the thorny ground, and there's the good ground. And of all four types of soil, only one produced a harvest. We talked about the stony ground, we talked about the thorny, uh, the, the, uh, the hard ground, the stony ground. Today we're going to talk about the thorny ground and what that is in the life of the believer. And before we do that, I just wanted to cover something. Again, you don't have time to cover everything on a Sunday morning. Even today, I won't have time to cover uh, everything I want to, but we'll just do the best we can uh, for the time we have. The message translation for a stony ground, the message translation called it a shallow ground. Shallow meaning it lacked depth. It lacked the depth necessary for the root system of that plant to grow and go down deep. It lacked that. It had no depth to it. That's what, that's what that it teaches us. So when it comes to any plant, the root system ultimately determines both its health and its endurance. The deeper the root system, the more water the plant has access to. The deeper the root system, the more nutri nutrients are provided for the rest of the plant. The deeper the root system, the greater endurance it has when it comes to uh, the adversities that faces it as it's growing up. And this is what exactly what Paul was referring to in the book of Ephesians as he was teaching on the relational side of life. He said this, that ye be rooted and grounded in love. Because God knows, God knows that when we choose love, praise God, love will ultimately never fail. Hallelujah. If every man and woman in this church, in their marriage, in their home, would exercise love, the force of love, praise God, you would, you would never, ever fall apart. God's, word, God's love would prevail. Can I have an amen to that? And of course, we know that's easier said than done. So when persecution arises for the word's sake, uh, as Jesus said it would, the depth of your spiritual life is crucial. And why is that? Because it will either reveal stability in your life or instability. It will reveal strength or weakness, courage or cowardice, faith or fear. Amen. Depth is important. Keeping your heart cultivated through repentance. Keeping, keeping your heart rich through worship and praise and through the meditation of God's word. Back to Mark 4. Let's continue. 
And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, this is the King James Version, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts, that is plural, of other things entering in, choke the word, and it, that's the heart, becomes unfruitful. This is what, this is how he identifies the thorny heart. There are three things, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things. They enter in, and they choke the word. But this don't remind me of the days we're living in. It's interesting, the word care there in the Greek is the word distractions. Uh, Amplified says the distractions of the age. And we have so many distractions today that are, that are literally filling the void, of this, uh, filling the spiritual void of our lives so that we're literally losing our appetite for the things of God. And this, this has been a problem uh, for a long time. Turn if you were to Luke 14. We'll just read this story, and, and I hope that it helps you. Luke, the 14th chapter, uh, and it is a parable. Luke 14. Uh, praise God, I had it marked here. Luke 14 and verse 7. I'd love to read all of it. I wish I had time. These stories are so important. Luke ver, uh, 14, verse 7. So he, that's Jesus, told a parable to those who were invited uh, they were invited to this, uh, to this Pharisee's house, okay? And, and when he noted how they chose the best places, uh, you know, uh, they chose, a, this has nothing to do with you sitting in front, so just relax. I just, he was making a point on a subject uh, called uh, humility, okay? And so here's what he says. When you are invited by anyone uh, to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, he says, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him and him come and say to you, give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, uh, invited, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, hey, friend, go up higher. I believe God wants to take you higher. And humility is, humility is the key for that. And... Uh, um, then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he also said to him who invited him, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers and your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. They're, they're, they're not, again, always read the Bible thinking about the subject matter and reading it in context. This Pharisee, this fair, that's what he practiced all his life. He only invited people over that would give him a blessing in return. He had spent his whole life operating in that manner. I will, I will do something for you if you'll do something for me. That's that, okay, that, that's what Jesus said. So this is why he taught that for that reason. It was for the Pharisee who had this problem. All right. Then he said, um, lest they invite you back and you be rewarded. You repaid. Verse 13. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning services at 10 o'clock. We also have what we call School of the Bible on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.